Live. A-C-U. From the ACU of Texas Studios. This is the Clear Lake Today Podcast Network. Welcome to Meet in the Middle Chronicles. I'm Sam Collins. And I'm Norman Papoose. We met in an office and discovered that despite each of us consistently voting for different political parties, we shared a common goal of leaving our kids a better world. When we started talking to each other, we found that we could meet in the middle on many issues that face our nation. That got us wondering, why can't our elected representatives agree? Find the middle on issues. I don't give up my values when I compromise, and neither does Sam. But we know that compromise serves our kids better than what we see in the current political atmosphere. We had a successful radio show, then the Chinese bought the station. But we got with the times, and now we have a podcast. Welcome to today's episode of Meet in the Middle Chronicles. I am Norman Papoose. Sam Collins is out doing some community service, doing good for the people of Hitchcock, Texas. So you have me alone today to figure out where the middle is. Yes, it's a dangerous place to be, but I will take it on. Okay, issue number one, Joe Biden this morning on CNBC. I'm prepared to say that I have a record of over 40 years and that I'm going to beat Joe Biden. Again. I'm prepared to say that I have a record of over 40 years and that I'm going to beat Joe Biden. Okay, now that is that is a real uh, that is a real video uh, being interviewed by the host of one of the morning shows on CNBC, Joe Biden misspeaking. Now, obviously, a lot of people have had issues with him uh, coming on and kind of doing, you know, the the Joe Biden gaffe. Now, the Joe Biden gaffes, let's face it, go back to the 70s. It's not a new thing. But it's a little more troubling uh, having a gaffe when you're in your 70s than it is when it is the 1970s. And uh, that wasn't his only, like, kind of serious blunder in the last 24 hours. So there's a big-time radio show called The Breakfast Club. And on the uh, show, The Breakfast Club, one of the hosts there is called Charlemagne the God. And Charlemagne the God um, is a host that is African-American, and he presses his community's concerns. And he's taken on some pretty big... uh, people on the show and and they haven't sometimes they haven't done so well elizabeth warren went on and really got taken to task about her efforts for the black community um but here's uh the way uh the way it went down for former joe biden uh he went on the show to defend his race and then at one point he told charlemagne that if you don't if you support president trump then you ain't black okay now, uh, an aide tried to cut off the interview after a while because they said that Jill Biden needed the office to do a uh, her own, you know, live stream. But uh, Biden kept going, and uh, after about ten minutes, you know, he he goes, you know, you can't do that to the black media. You know, he told that to the aide, and um, it ke- it kept getting worse. And he goes. Listen, you've got. And I'm, let me let me let me quote the the uh, the DJ here. Listen, you've got to come see us when you come back to New York, uh, Vice President Biden. It's a long way until November, and we've got more questions. Clear as day. This is a radio show host. He has on a former vice president who is now a presidential nominee, 
and our presidential contender, and he wants to, you know, book him again. Now, Biden should have, you know, been said, look, we're going to do our best. We'd love to come back. It's been a wonderful experience. How did Biden reply? This is what he said. You've got more questions? Well, I'll tell you what. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Did you get that? Let me read that again. This was Biden's response to the talk show host trying to get him to come back on the on the air in a few months. You've got more questions? Well, I tell you what, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. I'm pretty sure that's pretty racist thing to say. I mean, can you imagine Donald Trump getting up on Fox and being grilled by their people and saying, well, if you don't know if you're for me or Joe Biden, then you ain't white. I mean, that's, yeah, that's pretty, I, I don't know. That, that doesn't seem to me to be the exclamations, the, 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 uh, that doesn't seem to me to be a man who speaks with all his, his faculties, you know, on, on point. Um, I think the Democrats got a problem. I really do. And I don't, and I think the most telling thing is, I bet if there was a poll out there today and they said, would you be surprised if they replaced Joe Biden at the top of the ticket? I'll bet you at least a third of the nation would say, no, they wouldn't be surprised at all. And and that's pretty telling. Um, Okay, so let's stick with uh, Joe Biden because Joe Biden is also looking for a vice presidential uh, candidate. And the reasons that this vice presidential candidate might be a little bit more uh, important than in past times is, as we've discussed before, is Joe's age. That said, let me preface all this by saying people don't vote for a vice president. Not normally. I've never seen it. Um, you know, it, it was a question of, you know, when um, did Edwards, you know, bring North Carolina with him, you know, in the vice presidential, in the presidential race? I forget what year that was. He didn't. Uh, did Ryan bring Wisconsin? No. Um, so th- the vice presidents of the past don't have the most stellar record for bringing their state with them to the party. And uh, I don't think this will be any different. I think Joe Biden is going to look at this as, does he want somebody who can step into the office on day one and be president of the United States? That's the way typically this is normally looked at. Except in this case, Joe Biden should be smart. But by being smart, he's going to make a choice that is not as good as the one he could make. Because his best choice for vice president is Amy Klobuchar, senator, Democratic senator of Minnesota. Amy Klobuchar is widely viewed as a centrist, even if she's you know on the on the you know blue side of the center. She's widely viewed as a centrist. She has a great record at uh, at winning elections. She has a pretty good record uh, legislatively uh, coming out of the Senate. She wor- she works across the aisle. Uh, and she's basically liked by everybody. Uh, you know, if you, if you talk to people behind the scenes, you know, she's she's not threatening. She's not bombastic. You know, she's not a Chuck Schumer. And she's seen as very capable. Um, the problem with Amy Klobuchar is the progressive left isn't going to like her. 
the progressive left wants a Kamala Harris. The progressive one, left wants a Elizabeth Warren, um, both of whom are senators, neither of whom I believe would bring a lot to the party, except Elizabeth Warren on the debate stage is pretty good. Uh, so the other one is Stacey Abrams, although she's making her own splash. There's not really a lot of people in the Democratic Party making a splash for her. But I, I think uh, between Harris, Warren, and Klobuchar, you're going to find the uh, the next Democratic uh, vice presidential nominee. And I think their best chances for success, if, let me put it this way, I'll be really clear on this. If the election in 2020 goes the Democrats' way, the best thing for the United States of America is to have Amy Klobuchar as vice president. That said, I really like what Elizabeth Warren does with her reforms on Wall Street. Not all of them, but about 70% of them. And usually I find the people who totally don't like her reforms and how she brought together the consumer finance uh, oversight uh, agency, they usually don't know what they're talking about when it comes to Wall Street. So she, her, her reforms, I, I would love to see implemented. But for the sake of the country, I think Amy Klobuchar would be uh, a better vice president. Okay, so now let's get to issue number three. Now, issue number three is uh, came up because th this came up last week, and I've heard about it here and there. Um, and then it came up again this morning. Uh, it was uh, trending on Google. And I don't know a lot about this. And you know, our sound guy here, Greg, I, Greg, do you know about this whole Q thing? Okay, this Q thing is, is a right-wing group that dabbles in conspiracies. So let, let me read from their, the, a Wikipedia post about them. Uh, QAnon is a far-right conspiracy theory detailing a supposed secret plot by an alleged deep state against U.S. President Donald Trump and his supporters. The theory began with an October 2017 post on anonymous image board 4chan by someone using the name Q. Presumably it was an American individual but then they said it's a group of people and they claim to have access to classified information involving the Trump administration and its opponents in the United States. Uh, Q, ha Q has falsely accused liberal Hollywood actors, uh, actresses, Democratic politicians, high-ranking officials of engaging of, uh, of uh, efforts to basically subvert um, Donald Trump's presidency and engage in human trafficking and all that kind of other crazy stuff. Now, uh, if you ever see the hashtag WWG1WGA, that is one of these Q people or people that follow Q, uh, and it stands for Where We Go One, We Go All. Now, in the news this week, a Republican Senate nominee, Joe Ray Perkins, defended her interest, this is in a local newspaper, uh, defended her interest in QAnon, a loose-knit group that's promoted a number of conspiracy theories. So she told the local paper in a lengthy interview that she regretted allowing her campaign consultants to take down a video, not to put a video up, but to take down a video she posted on primary election night Tuesday in which she praised QAnon and said, quote, I stand with Q and the team, unquote. Is she crazy? 
I mean, who in the world is getting is give are are people like this getting support from? I mean, but you know, I'll answer my own question. The far far right. There is absolutely no evidence of any of this. It's a self-perpetuating myth. It's absurd. And for a U.S., for somebody who sees themselves as a credible candidate for the U.S. Senate to go in after this kind of thing, it just just makes my you know shake my head. Um, I don't know what the video said, but she went on in the interview and said, you know, am I bummed I took it down? Yeah, I really am bummed. But I also hired a consultant whose job it is to protect me. Okay, yes, consultants are supposed to protect you, but you're all supposed to be bright enough to run for U.S. Senate. You're supposed to be bright enough to be able to spot conspiracy theories that don't have an iota of uh, support behind them. So, Joe Ray Perkins, I I hope you lost. Um, Okay, issue number four. This one's kind of... Kind of scary. Okay. So back in the 1990s, we're going to go back into the Wayback Machine. In the 1990s, Bill Clinton told the truth to American labor. And he told American labor who were, who were looking for him to bring back the lost jobs uh, that were going overseas. And he looked at them and he said, muscle labor ain't coming back. And he, he, he was, you know, for, for, for the most part, he was correct. Muscle labor was not going to come back to the United States. And, but he also said that he would not give China most favored nation trading status, which would grant them access to the World Trade Organization and open up trade markets for them globally. Um, however, he went back on that pledge in the late 1990s. Uh, a lot of people, and there's evidence for this, believe that he did it um, for political purposes rather than you know, for the interests of the country. So China opens its doors and they start taking our intellectual property. They start undercutting our prices. Our jobs are moved out. And of course, uh, we've seen what's, you know, now we all know after COVID that the, uh, that the, uh, you know, all our medicines are made in China. All our PPE, personal protection equipment, made in China. Your laptop, made in China. Your iPhone, made in China. Your, you know, your socks, your shoes, all this stuff is made in China where it used to be made over here. Well, because of this COVID issue, I believe, um, and everybody is on lockdown, one of the things in history that you find if you go back is that when a, a nation is paying attention or a world, the world is paying attention to a crisis, somebody who wants to slip something underneath goes ahead and does it. The best example being... Um, and I, I was not born when all this went down, so, but I'm going to keep, well, I was born when all this went down. There was a point in time where the United Kingdom uh, had to basically invade Egypt to keep the uh, canal open. And, uh, you know, it was a trade, you know, it was a, 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 uh, a trade channel. It was very important. And England sent, a, it, it was a global crisis. England invaded Egypt. Uh, there was a guy named Kamal who was, you know, who uh, who was leading Egypt at the time, and uh, he closed down the uh, canal in order to basically thumb their nose at the West and saying, "Look, Egyptians are in charge now. No longer are we going to be influenced by the West." Well, instead of diplomacy, England sends troops, warships, etc., and 
the United Nations and all the world is looking to see if this is going to turn into another major war. So what happens during this time? Well, the people of Hungary start deciding, hey, you know something? We've had enough of this communist stuff. We want democracy. Well, Russia looks at the entire world being involved with what's going on in Egypt, and they say, okay, send in the tanks. They sent the tanks into Hungary, crushed the uprising, and you know, the rest is history. But they did it tactically because the world was watching Egypt. They didn't have the, uh, the bandwidth to deal with the Egypt crisis and the Hungarian crisis simultaneously. I believe China's doing that now. The entire world is looking at the COVID crisis. So now, what is China going to do? Now China is going to move again on Hong Kong in the same way it tried to about six months ago. If you remember all of those riots in Hong Kong against a law that essentially said uh, you can be tried, if you are a Hong Kong citizen, you can be tried in a mainland Chinese court. People didn't like that. They believed uh, that was... Uh, you abrogated the the agreement of when Hong Kong became part of China again after it was given up by the UK. Now, uh, Chinese national security restrictions are going to be imposed on Hong Kong, um, and they're pretty much targeting international trade. It is going to uh, affect companies who do not have their headquarters in Hong Kong or China. Uh, visa tree visa free travel access to Hong Kong could revert to the more strict China mainland visa rules. Um, Hong Kong's autonomy, civil liberties, ruble, uh, this is by, uh, let me quote something here from Reuters. Hong Kong's autonomy, civil liberties, rule of law, and access to China make it attractive to international companies, and a change in the status could push some U.S. firms into costly moves elsewhere in the region. Uh, so that's what Hong Kong's putting forth now, and I think it's in re in retaliation for the uh, the attitude that has come out of this COVID crisis. Correctly, I believe, blaming China for not being more transparent with the world when this was going on. As a matter of fact, uh, yesterday, if you follow Facebook and our Meet in the Middle Chronicles page, you'll know that a report, I believe is in the Washington Post, stated that there was an insider in China that said there were 250 cities in China that had been severely impacted by COVID, not just you know, the city of Wuhan, but 250 other cities that China didn't report any of them, not one. So I personally don't think China's our friend. I think we have to get out of there. I think we have to rethink the entire international trade deal and start going back more to uh, more regional trade deals like NAFTA or bilateral trade deals with uh, between the U.S. and the U.K., that kind of thing. Um, but I, I, think this, I think this is going to be the first, quote, war that's fought without a bullet being fired. Uh, or I guess you could call it the next Cold War between China and the U.S. will be on the trade front. Uh, that's it for this week. If you like us, please go to our Facebook page, Meet in the Middle Chronicles, and like that page. Sam will be back next week. Until then, have a wonderful week. Go out, play with your kids, and have a great um, three-day weekend.